Hello and welcome to the Simply podcast. I'm Aishraja Velu, Content and Community Manager at Simply, and today we're speaking to Esri Kalabach. Esri is a consultant, writer and researcher, and he consults on international multidisciplinary projects in business innovation and stakeholder engagement. Esri's worked with a wide range of clients, including UN and EU agencies, art and culture institutions, non-profits and a wide range of businesses. He's a lifelong science fiction fan and will be speaking at our flagship event, Simply IC, on using science fiction thinking as a tool for creative problem solving. If that intrigues you, keep listening to find out more. Hi, Ezri, and welcome to the Simply podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Well, hello, first of all, and thank you very much for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here. Um, my name is Ezri Karnbach. Um, I've been in and around the business communication arena for a very long time um, and I've known Mark Wright of Simply for a good deal of that time mostly through the International Association of Business Communicators or IABC um, we were both actively involved in that and other industry associations as well so I've been in uh, in-house roles leading big corporate comms teams I've done PR marketing internal comms um, and since 2013 I've been freelance working as a consultant and a freelance writer. And that's at um, GW and Co right? Well I'm an associate partner with GW and Co which is a strategic design agency but um, I'm not employed by them and I do all sorts of things with other people. Um, I've worked on many wonderful projects with GW and Co um, and they have a very interesting sort of combination of starting from uh, the visual side of, of a company identity to get into understand the strategy the culture you know and how the people are working with those aspects so it's a very interesting setup but um, one of the many things that I do. What inspired you to go into comms in the first place? I've always been interested in language I think that was the main driver for my career and um, I, I've interested in it from different aspects like linguistics and sort of how language is constructed um, and how it varies according to sort of um, social and environmental factors but also the the beauty of language and poetry and in in prose as well um, but then I became more and more interested in the problems of using language to get things done um, which is really what business communication is about. Um, and how do we do that really without dehumanizing the people we're working with? Because very easily we get into that bureaucratic and instrumental type of language and we forget that we're human beings and the people we're working with are human beings. Um, and there's a lot more to it than just the words on the surface, you know, that appear on the, the page, the tweet, the screen, whatever it happens to be. And I think that's that's still an issue. And obviously the rise of AI has added another dimension to that. On your LinkedIn that you mentioned that you were a thematic lead for AI and emerging technology at the Royal Anthropological Institute of uh, yeah. Great Britain and Ireland. Can you talk to us yeah. about your work there? Yes, well, it, it, it was one of these funny things that came about a little bit by accident because I'm very interested in anthropology. It was not my main subject at university, but I did study some anthropology at university. 
Um, and in 2018, I saw an, a lecture advertised at the Royal Anthropological Institute, which looked interesting. I went to the lecture and got chatting to people and became kind of actively involved in uh, some of the things that, that they were doing in terms of events. And one of the events was the launch of a committee on policy and practice. In other words, how can anthropologists use their knowledge and their insight to help policymakers make better decisions? That was really the premise. Um, and they were setting up various strands, including the one on AI and emerging technology. And people made presentations, what are the key issues and so on. And then at the end of the meeting, um, they asked for volunteers to coordinate these themes. And when it came to AI and, and emerging technology, nobody volunteered. And I was sitting there thinking, well, it really ought to be an academic anthropologist. That's the nature of this whole thing. But I also can't bear it, excuse me, when, when, when you know, there's this silence in the room and nobody. So I stuck my hand up. I said, look, I'll do it if somebody will help me from the academic side. So that's how it, that's how it came about. And um, it led to some very, very interesting conversations with the committee, but also through events that the committee organized with, with the wider um, anthropology community. And it sort of culminated last year in a major conference called AI Anthropology and the Future of Human Society, which uh, was all conducted online, uh, had a great deal of, of diversity in terms of presentations and themes, and, and, and it was global, people from all over the world. It was absolutely fascinating. I had the privilege of, of being on the scientific committee, helping to select the themes and the, and the panelists, and was also invited to host one of the sessions, um, which was on um, imagined futures, um, and very much linked, obviously, to AI, but this was all before chat GPT was thrust into the world. Uh, but actually, I don't think chat GPT really fundamentally changes anything in terms of the relationship between humans and, and technology and the way that anthropologists look at it. Um, I, that, was, that was a sort of time-limited thing. So um, unfortunately, I just don't have time for, you know, big academic conferences like that these days. Uh, but it was, it was an extremely interesting experience. And um, it, it really touches on the area that I am now most actively pursuing which is a different proposition altogether really and um you are the founder of um space city breakout what inspired you yeah. to do this yeah well that's the the, the thing that i'm referring to um <laughs> the specific that there, there are a whole bunch of things that kind of come together in space city breakout one of which is my lifelong um passion for science fiction um, and I think recently science fiction has become the most urgent literature for humanity. Why? Because if you look at what's happening in technology, there are three big trends right now. Artificial intelligence, obviously. Biotech, which is also making significant advances, partly driven by what AI can do. And the revival of space exploration. SpaceX and NASA planning to put the first woman on the moon in 2027 and all these things are happening um, and where do you go if you want to think about the impact on humans of those technologies and particularly the way they interact well I've read a lot of science fiction books that address those subjects directly 
it's not about predicting. Science fiction writers don't predict the future, although sometimes they get it scarily right, and I'll come back to that. What they do is they look at what's happening now with a, with a sort of mindset and a, of, of imagination. They, sometimes people say speculative fiction instead of science fiction, because it's not just about science and technology, it's about other things as well. And they gain insights by thinking about what's happening now with that particular type of imagination that can be extremely valuable. I think that could be the greatest asset in any company now struggling to deal with AI, struggling to deal with the complexity of, of, of world affairs that have such an impact on their employees and any other problem solving that they're, that they're attempting to do. That particular type of imaginative thinking is, I think, has a very high premium now in the business world. So Spacergy Breakout is a combination of consultancy and an L&D platform, um, which can be used to um, bring these kind of imaginative capabilities into an organization or to help the leaders of the organization to think differently about how they're, you know, coming up with their strategy, how they're dealing with issues like um, diversity and inclusion in particular, but also generally how they're promoting leadership throughout the organization um, so the um, space city element of it comes from a book by a man called Gerard O'Neill it was written in the 1970s he was a professor of physics at Princeton University very prestigious um, university and obviously he was one of their top people but he thought that at that time there was already sufficient technology to build cities orbiting the earth and that there would be significant advantages to doing this, particularly in areas like manufacturing, because zero gravity provides an extremely um, helpful environment for certain types of manufacturing. But for other things as well, we know now he, he saw this coming, but we now know that medical research in certain areas can actually be done much more effectively and efficiently in zero gravity. So those are just some of the issues. Um, and he wrote this book called The High Frontier, in which he set out in great detail how these cities would operate. And really the only thing that prevented them from actually coming into existence was obviously money. They're very expensive. And, and the political will really wasn't there to devote those kinds of resources to building cities in space. Um, but the brilliant thinking that, that he brought to it and other people that, that got involved in, the, in his projects as well, I think demonstrated the best of humanity. If you think about, just take that imaginative leap and say, okay, we're living on the moon or we're living on Mars. How are we gonna solve basic problems like air and water and food? And then how are we gonna get around? And then how are we going to make sure that what we're learning from obviously the incredible scientific opportunities is of benefit to people on earth as well. But then you've got people and people are messy and unpredictable and chaotic. And sometimes they argue and, and unfortunately fight. How do you govern a community in space or on the moon or on Mars? Thinking through those issues really helps you to unlock a great deal of problem solving capability that might otherwise remain, you know, oh, that's too far out, too, too crazy, you can't think about that. But if you do, actually it can provide incredible insights into how to use chat GPT in your internal comms or how to deal with a leadership crisis or 
how to make people in the organization get on board with the strategy that you're trying to deliver whatever it is you're dealing with that different type of problem solving can be incredibly powerful so that's the premise of space city breakout that's so fascinating i've never i've never thought about stuff in that way um to solve wider you know problems in comms mm-hmm. so that's that is really really interesting oh good it is different and um i can understand people being a little bit hesitant um because business takes itself very seriously and sometimes if you say let's let's write science fiction stories as a way of improving our strategy but having said that um harvard business review published an article a couple of years ago called why business leaders should read more science fiction Um, and a number of big companies not just the big tech companies but other companies as well have actually hired science fiction writers to help them develop scenarios to understand how different technologies will play out. So it's becoming um, respectable, which is a double-edged sword, to be honest. <laughs> um, but it can also, you know, it can also stop people in their tracks and they say, wow, and you know, can I really, can I really suggest to my team that we sit down and watch an episode of Star Trek to, <laughs> to help us? But I think absolutely you can. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't see why not. Um, and I was going to I was going to ask this earlier, but you were uh, on your um, LinkedIn. You initially mentioned that you were going into music as a career, as a musician. Yes, yes, that's right. Can you talk to us about that. Sure. I mean, it was my first career. I I joined a band at the age of sixteen, a uh, very long time ago, <laughs> and um, I played sort of um, in some quite obscure bands in the seventies and eighties. You wouldn't have heard of them um and it it was great you know at the time it was absolutely the right thing for me to do very obviously creative and and a lot of fun um a lot of good times uh back in the day but also quite hard to sustain a career in um very competitive and in those days in particular not a particularly nice industry i hate to say it but it was not a particularly great place for, for a variety of reasons um, so I kind of left it behind, but um, I am now in a band again. Um, and uh, I joined I joined a band um, at the beginning of this year after some, well, nearly 40 years of, I mean, I've always played, I've kept my, I've got my double bass, which is my main instrument. Um, but I am now actually gigging again, and it's very exciting. Oh, that <laughs> so, is really uh, exciting. Yeah. And... I was also going to mention, so you have worked in a load of different industries, obviously. So you worked um, at the Royal Society of Arts and you've also worked at Barclays and then you went into consulting and I'm sure you've worked Mm -hmm. in many, many more. What are some of your biggest learnings over the years? I think the biggest learning is the value of crossing borders and boundaries. I remember very clearly when I moved from the Royal Society of Arts to Barclays, people were very um, surprised. Uh, They didn't see it as an obvious move. And in many ways it wasn't, but it was also an incredibly instructive thing for me. Um, I think I brought something new to internal comms at, at Barclays. I was head of internal and change comms there. 
Um, and I even got asked to write an article about it for a, an employee communication magazine in America. They were like, well, how did you do that? How did you go from, you know, the non-profit world to Barclays? Um, and then, in fact, there are stories of people who go the other way. And I did. I went from Barclays to, in fact, to a government organization. Um, and it's not just the sectors, not just going from private sector to public sector to third sector, as we call it. But working with different um, sizes of organization, working with different people internationally, obviously is very common these days. But in my um, consultancy career, I worked for a lot of European organizations um, where English was the business language. Everything was done in English, but most of the people were not native English speakers. Um, and not only were they not native English speakers, there were significant cultural uh, factors in their attitudes towards the project, whatever particular project it was. And I just think that that is so powerful. It's so, um, it's wonderful. I mean, it's just such a great experience to have, but I think it is also the way to um, get over some of the more persistent problems that we see in, in, businesses where you know there's too much group think there's not enough diversity in every dimension and it's very difficult to break out of that so i've been very fortunate that my career enabled me to to have those very different experiences but i did actively seek them out as well and um finally you uh, will be speaking at simply ic in may on mm -hmm. using science fiction to creatively tackle problems in comms um mm -hmm. can you talk to us about that and are you excited for the event I'm I'm very excited. It was an absolute delight to go to Simply EXP in November um, and meet new people, but also reconnect with, with some old colleagues that I haven't seen for a long time. Um, and Simply IC, uh, you know, it is a, a big, big marker in the internal comms calendar. Um, so I am very excited and also to be given the opportunity really to talk about this stuff, get people in a room. Um, I'm going to get people to build an infinity machine, which they will mm -hmm. probably have never done before. Um, and it was it's going to be very hands on. It's not theoretical. It's going to be, you know, let's let's use some of this amazing stuff to help make things better. And I think it particularly will help with something that Mark mentioned in an interview recently when he was asked about you know what's the what, what's the future for internal comms in 2024 because we're almost in 2024 and he talked about internal comms people returning to their kind of original remit in some respects which was to make stuff that looks on the surface boring into stuff that's interesting or engaging and the way he put it was turning what is crucial to the organization into what is appealing for me right i think that's absolutely right what I would add and what I'm trying to going to try and demonstrate at Simply IC in May is the reverse of that. In other words, we have to help people in all sorts of organizations at work turn what is appealing to them into something crucial for the organization. And that for me would be yeah, science fiction. Science fiction appeals to me, but actually that is going to be crucial to the organization. If I'm an employee, my knowledge and insight and, and ideas from science fiction 
are going to be crucial to the organization so it's a two-way thing it's not just what the organization wants make that appealing for people it's take what is appealing for people and make it crucial to the organization that's not always going to be easy because there are very very challenging social and political issues that people will want to talk about at work that employers will find difficult um, and um, you know so just be aware of that but again i would say with the benefit of a science fiction perspective those things can be can be looked at and um, I'll, I'll leave you with a thought about 2024 because funnily enough it's a year that was attractive for some reason to science fiction writers in previous years and there are a number of stories that have been written in the past and set in 2024 and looking at them now is very very interesting the one i would recommend to everybody is called the parable of the sower by octavia butler now not only was she one of the first african-american women to break into the kind of the big time in writing science fiction um, but she wrote this book in 1993 and it's set in 2024 and what it says about particularly us society but but western society in general is absolutely amazing um and and i won't say any more than that because i might use it <laughs> or part of it in the in the discussion at the conference but yeah it's 2024 is definitely going to be a very interesting year um for the whole planet i hope um in a good way um, and for internal comms it's a real chance now to stop worrying about getting a seat at the table to stop worrying about are we reporting to marketing or are we reporting to hr and to start really blowing people's minds um that's what i would like to see well i am really looking forward to your session at simply ic and Good. um yeah I'll, I'll give that a read i do like a little bit of science fiction myself so excellent yeah i'll uh, okay, give it well, a go well, when i see you in may we'll we'll have a chat about that and you can tell me what you thought <laughs> Will do. Thank you ever so much for your time okay. today. That's a pleasure. Thank you. And uh, yeah, see you at Simply IC. See you at Simply IC.